0: Hello and welcome to Inside Living. I'm Steve Carfino. Today, we're going to talk about homeschooling and the challenges and opportunities that that presents. The show is brought to you by Life on the Inside, and the director and head practitioner is Elizabeth Mucci. Your biggest quality and your best quality is helping people, and I'm sure that's why you wanted to get into this industry. To, well, what we're going to talk about is homeschooling, but before we do that, let's talk about the situation that has really made homeschooling or being able to teach your children at home very important. That's a coronavirus and Maybe you can touch upon why that has become such an epidemic and why it is so contagious.
1: So there are lots of viruses that are very similar to the coronavirus. However, we don't have a solution to corona. And so even in situations where we do have vaccines, say, for instance, uh, the influenza A um, and medicines for pneumonia that are very deleterious to our lung function and possibly um, can kill us and sometimes do, in this situation of coronavirus, it really does depend on that individual's lung function, pre-existing diseases, um, how it lives outside the body for quite some time. And so therefore, and being very contagious, and we don't really have, it's sort of like potluck, whether you're going to survive it or not. And so just in the sense of, Say, for instance, um, because it lives on the surfaces for so long, um, a few hours, say in most cases, if you went to a park bench um, and sat there thinking, well, I'm doing the best I can to isolate and um, no one's around you, um, you might be sitting there and have your hands on the bench and all the rest, you don't have corona. But an hour before you got there, there could have been somebody that didn't realise they had the coronavirus, be doing exactly the same thing, thinking I'm keeping isolated from people. Um, they've gone there, they've sneezed and coughed, and, you know, they might even have um, allergies, and so therefore they even have, they think it's just an allergy sort of response. They might not be that ill from it. And so then they've got up, they've put their um, droplets um Uh, saliva droplets on the bench they've walked away nobody's sitting there you're innocently thinking that that's all clean and then you go and sit there and then you get it as a result which is why they're encouraging obviously wearing masks and gloves wherever you can so that at least your droplets try and stay contained Um, but also washing your hands constantly and disinfecting constantly because we are touching things all the time. So if we can keep our hands folded while we walk around if we can just not touch our face if we um, I say to my patients look everybody's guilty until proven innocent I prefer it that way we were taught that in microbiology we were also taught that we you know we walk into a lab we don't know who was there before us what dangerous sort of bugs were on that bench Um, so we were taught that in our course Um, and so I think if everyone just sort of thinks look let's just imagine coronas everywhere how would we change our behavior? And then how do we go back home and maybe um, come in contact with some, someone that might not be sick? They then carry it on their clothes, then they bring it back to their elderly parent um, or grandparent, and then they make them sick. So Because it can last quite a lot of hours, it can just sort of last on us. And that's why social distancing is so important.
0: Okay, now that we've covered that, one of the things that I'm sure that your patients aren't aware of is that you homeschooled your kids up until year seven, you have four children. And so you are, you know, I'd call you an expert in homeschooling, but you've got a lot of experience at teaching your kids at home. Um, Maybe talk about some of the anxieties that have built up and some of the, uh, concerns that parents have. And you have, gone to work, and now all of a sudden they're at home with their children trying to help them with
1: their education. Yeah. So I chose to homeschool my ch- my children. A lot of people don't realize that I, I did that. My last child, I homeschooled till year two, but all the rest till year seven. Um, it's not for the faint hearted. So you have to really want to do it to um, often uh, try and do it you know, passionately and well. Um, What the problem is now is there's a lot of people that didn't opt to do homeschooling. They're lost, Um, they're anxious because they want, obviously they love their children and they don't want them to um, suffer as a result of them teaching their children. They might not have the knowledge, the patience um, and know how to research. It might've been 40 years ago that they actually did schooling themselves. Um, And so that starts to create an anxiety because they they love their children and they feel like maybe they are um, creating a disservice in that situation. And then you'll have other people that may not have a high uh, patience or tolerance for that sort of thing where they already feel like they're enclosed. Um, The kids aren't used to being told to sit down and learn. And so now they're having to do that. Um, So it might change the relationship with that parent-child where the, the the parent might have been more about hugs and kisses and feeding and playing and all that sort of stuff where now they're being told that they have to sit. Um, they're going to have to sit down for hours and do some learning and they're going to have to, you know, a lot of kids don't really like to do that. At certain ages Um, so it really will depend on the child you might have some a couple of disruptive children in your home that um, don't like the fact that maybe their sibling is trying to study so there's all different dynamics that can go on and then fighting between the kids and trying to control that so it can become chaotic like overnight
0: okay well you just mentioned everything that would go through my head as a parent trying to help my kids with their education at home let's talk about some of the things that would be helpful for them Because uh, there are some parents out there that would really be drowning in this situation.
1: Yeah. Um, Breaking up your day is really helpful. Not seeing learning just at sitting at a desk and um, studying out of a book is really helpful. Um, I didn't teach like that myself. My children were... um, about three years ahead of the grades that they should have been in for their age Um, and I wasn't a taskmaster so I wasn't sitting there and therefore they were spending double time learning at a desk. What it was was that I um, encouraged curiosity in my children from the time they were very little and so um, and that started with me. I believe, and, um, and back then as well, and I still believe, that we live by example. And so if a child sees us be really interested in something or just interested in learning ourselves, that will rub off on them. So if it's a perfect opportunity for those parents that might not know certain topics, um, that they can sit there and think, well, I don't know this either. How about we study this together? Or why don't you teach me? about this. That's a great opportunity for that child to master that subject um, because now they're going to have to try and explain that area that they're learning um, at a point where you're going to have to increase that knowledge in that area. So I would say that even now to my son, when he does essays, Uh, To help him improve, I had said to him, look, I don't know anything about this topic that you're writing. So I'm going to be the person that, you know, I need you to write to me as somebody that has no idea about it. So it has to be very detailed. Uh, The sentences have to be completed and all that sort of stuff so that I can understand. And that was good for him to go, oh, okay. Um, He could break it down a little bit better. Um, Having games, you know, things like... um, when the kids were doing mathematics if they were starting to look like you know i read the room if they're looking like they're a bit um restless i would break it up and say okay let's play a game of cards but in that game of cards i would be doing some math skills or i'd be doing memory um so it'd be you know um basically yeah so basically um things like recognizing depending on the ages but recognizing like pairs and you know you're playing games like that which is great for the younger ones as they get a bit older I used um, dice And um, I would start off with addition. So I would play, like, say, with siblings or with myself, and I'd say the first one to come up with the answer. So it's all about speed. It helps them concentrate. As soon as you put, like, a time frame, kids will really seriously concentrate and try and think hard. Um, And so you might say, add the first person to come up with the addition of these two numbers. Or if they're a bit older, the multiplication of those two numbers. Um, Or I could roll a dice, hold up a number and say, you know, divide this number number by this, you know, dice that's you know the number I'll have a few numbers uh, just challenging them with speed um, learning their times tables and making them fun you know and, and we'd be in the car and at any point they had to be ready to give me the answer to a times table um, spelling uh, spelling games competitions you know I'd be involved in it you know um, and uh, one that I really loved doing with the kids was um, because it could go across all different ages was to write a story. And so what I did was, because I was teaching different ages in my kids, my kids are seven and a half years apart, uh, one group and five years apart in another, but we would start a story and so you would say a sentence and then the next child could add a different part of that story, but you didn't know what they were going to say. And so um, it might have gone into a scary sort of um, story or then, you know, the little one would say something sort of silly like, you know, and then they have to go to the toilet or something like that. And each Person could write a sentence to that story. And in the end, we would write a page and read how funny our story was. The kids loved that. Um, And it was just, it was great because it was family time. It was sharing. We all were learning at the same time. Yeah.
0: Would that be a situation where you have different ages and you're trying to teach them all in the same group? Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's what I always did. So my day was structured uh, I love structure, but it was loose within its structure. So I would say to them, these are the subjects we're doing today. I'd always start our day off with music um, because that's pretty intense. Um, the kids would do one child to do violin. The next one to do piano, you know, um, and then... Um, I would go okay you can do English or maths next which would you like to do and so depending on the day so some of them say oh no I want to get my maths done first or yeah no I want to do my English and so I I really like to give them a bit of choice so they feel like they've got freedom within their learning and then we would have a break um, and that might've been some play time or some, you know, just relaxation time or whatever. And then, um, we would go back and I'd say, okay, now we've got to do history or geography. Um, which one would you like to do? And they'd do that. Or I'd say, we're going to do some science or art. Which one would you like to do? Then within the subjects, I'd give them freedom. So I'd say, okay, well, in science today, what do you want to actually learn? And they go, oh, can we do insects? And I go, yeah, great. Cause I had a lot of, um, tools now everybody has um the tool of being able to look up things on youtube google i didn't have that sort of stuff when the kids were little the older kids um so you know it's fantastic you can just look up processes you can look up photosynthesis you can look up chemical reactions whatever you need to look up for different ages um, for children so and I think it's really nice wherever you can to sit next to your child and just show some interest. Um, I think that's great unless the child doesn't want you to do that. And that's fine. They might want to concentrate, if they're, especially if they're older. And that's OK. Just make their environment really healthy for them to learn. You might say, look, you know, you go over here and I'll pull the younger kids aside and keep them occupied. And the older child tends to really appreciate that you take their, their learning seriously and respectfully, you know.
0: Well, how about now? There are schools that have programs that have remote learning, so you have the assistance of the school and the teacher, um, but the kid needs some help to be able to you know, organize their day. Would that make it more difficult if you're in a homeschooling situation to kind of have half of a program from school and don't have the freedom of how you want to educate your kids in the homeschooling system, or would it help?
1: I think having um, the the things that you're needing from the school or some sort of boundary and guidance is great so the kids obviously have to hand in certain things and that sort of stuff and show an interest in that that's really important it's a it's a chance for you to go look I actually didn't even realize my kids were doing this in history then carry it on we know that the best way to learn is to master a situation often teachers can't do that. There's too many children in the classroom. So they've got to give that child all the information um, and, you know, hope that they're studying and learning. And they should be doing that, of course. But if you can carry it on to master it, if you can say, oh, this is really interesting. How about we watch a film on it? How about we read more? Like, you know, like um, I suppose in some way you want to fill the meat up more around. If you can imagine like a skeleton, you're sitting there adding more and more so that they're getting a fuller and fuller picture That's you know, of that topic. It makes them more excited. Sometimes pe- the, some of the parts of the topic that they might be learning might be really dry. Uh, say, for instance, the history of parts of, you know, England um, or um, war, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, this, they're studying Germany at the moment and what happened in the Second World War, um, you might go, tell me about it. You know, like, what happened? So what, what was that all about? And at the time, at that same time, what was happening in Japan? You know, and then you go, and, and what was happening in Australia when that was happening? Because then they get the full picture. And if you can keep giving them that full picture, it allows them to be more and more excited about their learning. That's what I sort of mean.
0: So two really important things would be, Stability and curiosity.
1: Absolutely. So for me, curiosity is absolutely the key at any age. Um, I actually taught um, kids that really struggled at school. That was the first thing that I did before I I was teaching children my own children, and I used to tutor. And so a lot of um, a lot of mums would come to me and say, "Look, you know, my child is just doesn't learn," um, and so I. I was really curious at how was that the case, or was it the the fact that maybe they were a different learner, and so a lot of time there's. Your child one might be a really abstract learner, find it really easy to just read a book and take everything in. Um, there's that sort of thing, and another person might find that they have to touch and feel, and and they, um, you know, they need to actually um, see it and visualize and that sort of stuff. And so wherever, whatever learner these kids were. It really didn't matter. The baseline was the curiosity to learn. It was like where their heart was. So I always worked on their heart first. And then I added whatever the technique was that was best for them. And I actually had four different kids and they were all different learners. Um, At least three of them were quite different. And so that in itself, um, because I was, you know, determined to make sure that the kids could learn, um, one of them had to touch blocks and they'll both, these, the first two, they're both brilliant at mathematics, but one could read and, you know, just abstract, see it in her head. The other one had to touch blocks, measure up things, see it but learnt exactly. They both went on to do three-unit mathematics at, at school and everything, but they were totally different learners. Um, and so I think if the main thing that came out of that was I gave them the thirst to see why they were learning maths in the first place or why science was so exp- so important and how English could give them a massive benefit in life for the rest of their lives. Um I had been raised by parents that uh, were migrants, but um, and they had five children, but all of us were really curious learners. And so we went on to just teach ourselves and did very well ourselves, even though my parents had not gone through high school or anything themselves. I suppose that's where the idea came from.
0: When you homeschooled, I, I didn't know of too many people that have homeschooled. Would you have people that were reluctant to take on your ways they would see your kids excelling but did you did you feel criticism from other people that had their kids in school
1: um I did I felt um some criticism by some people because obviously we would walk around in shops and and people say oh you're home Again today, you know, if they'd seen them three times that week um, and the kids would say, oh, we're homeschooled, you know, and then, um, the you know, the, the person might have looked at me, you know, with a cross look on their face like I was some hippie sort of doing doing homeschooling um, or I was some rebel. Um, but so I did get criticism. Then um, with time as the kids were excelling, um, I actually got a lot of praise from people as well. And when they went to school, the teachers were really um, impressed with how the kids were Um, picking up information very quickly, but they were also very social. They were really surprised at that. But the thing that I did the most was um, just try and get the kids uh, to, you know, the skills that I knew they would need later, the research skills, um, try and teach them how to research, try and teach them how to summarize, give them skills that they were going to use in high school. So I suppose in some ways, this is a chance for parents to one see that oh wow maybe the teacher was right you know sometimes people are thinking there's nothing wrong with their children that the teacher might be picking on them um, or something like that and then they go and teach them themselves and they're like oh wow um, this is really hard I'm really struggling to get my child to actually listen and sit down um, but the child's come home going no no I, I do really you know I'm listening to everything the teacher's saying and um, And so I think from that perspective, it will be really um, a great thing for later when everyone's going back to school to sort of – um, really have our eyes wide open with really what's going on and also for us to step in now and have good talks with our kids and fill in those gaps that you know teachers have worked really hard they're teaching maybe 30 students in their class it's hard to, to homeschool two three children four that was you know they're, they're, that's really difficult to do but to teach a whole classroom and all different characters all different you know learning abilities um you know it is a task and I think it's just great for us to keep our eyes wide open have a look at maybe how we can address some of the things that maybe those teachers had actually told us was going on and we were ignoring um and just take our time we've got you know, months to do it, take our time to sort of, you know, encourage the child to sit down, see the importance to things, maybe tell them, look, we one person talking at a time, maybe teaching them respect, whatever it is that they're having trouble with, but doing it in a loving way. And I think, you know, obviously having lots of breaks, the child can concentrate, lots of, you know, time to cuddle and, you know, reading stories, all that nice sort of stuff so that your relationships... Um, kept healthy but also stepping in with look the boundary stuff you know you need to sit still now we're only going to be 20 minutes and I'm just going to expect you to sit there and when you finish this is going to be a reward there's going to be a reward somehow that follows you know that sort of thing
0: how do you work in the physical aspect of it because I know at the school that I'm at we have the remote learning for their education in the classroom as well as the sport that they're missing out in the field or out in the court and the sporting is mandatory at the school, so it's a very important part. So when you had the kids home at school, was there a physical aspect?
1: Yeah, so I um, different types of things. So I would either um, take them to a park and, and you know have a, a an assigned. Um, thing to do or um, we did gymnastics or whatever so um, I suppose now we could do things on TV and you just have set look you know every day at the end of your day this is what we're going to do you might do decide to do a bit of a yoga thing you might go and shoot some hoops if that's what you're thinking you want to do you might want to throw the ball play basket games where they've got to throw it in a um, a basket uh,
0: I, I believe that's called basketball yeah. <laughs> I
1: like a washing basket <laughs> i mean <laughs> get a ball throwing it in a basket get some ping pong balls putting them in cups you know play games yeah but or dance
0: all right so what would be the most important thing to you, you talked about some of the things about stability and curiosity but building that relationship because here's an opportunity we talk about the opportunities that i live in an isolation will bring uh, one of them would be that we spoke about was building your relationship
1: yeah so that is because a child if they're feeling like if there's all this um hurt or all this um background where you know you you may not have had great communication skills or your child's going through something um and they don't know how to talk to you and things like that i would say don't focus on the very thing that you think is your problem don't always talk about problems Put that aside and just start to read what language your child sees is is love. So that could be affirmation, that could be hugs, um, that could be time, you know, um, building them up first so then they build trust and work on that. That's, that's priceless. If you can spend a month doing that and the child feels safe, uh, they're going to want to please you. They're going to want to show you that they're, you know they're doing what you want and um they're doing it well and make sure that you praise them give them star you know charts put those all together and um but the relationship is very very key in in homeschooling situations and but also just being stuck together you know
0: oh thanks elizabeth i think that we covered quite a bit of ground on educating your children at home and thanks for joining us on inside living
1: you're welcome